DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas. The United States Catholic Catechism for Adults is an adaptation of the Catholic Catechism. It serves as a resource for those who wish to become acquainted with Catholicism. It is an invitation for all the faithful to continue growing in the understanding of Jesus Christ and his saving love for all people. The United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Chapter 16, Confirmation, Consecrated for Mission Francis Cabrini, Go to America When Francis Cabrini received the Sacrament of Confirmation, she was more perfectly bound to the Church as a true witness to Christ, and more urgently called to spread and defend the faith in word and deed. She heard that call and responded with extraordinary generosity. This is her story. The spirited woman was born in Italy in 1850. Early on, she felt the call to religious life, but no congregation accepted her because of her poor health. At age 27, her missionary zeal led her to found a new congregation, the Missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart. Within a few years, she and her sisters had opened six orphanages. In 1889, she obtained an audience with Pope Leo XIII, asking him to support her desire to open a mission in China. Pope Leo directed her elsewhere. He told her to go to America and work among the Italian immigrants there. A short time later, she was in New York City, opening a Catholic school at St. Giacchino's Parish Church. Within a year, she had begged enough money to buy a 450-acre Jesuit property across the Hudson River to house her first American orphanage. Soon after, she realized that the Italian immigrants and others needed a hospital. Her skills at fundraising and getting people to give of themselves led her to found the first Columbus Hospital, where she relied on the donated services of the doctors, Catholic as well as Jewish and Protestant. The hospital had free wards for the poor and private rooms for the rich, whose fees helped finance the care of the poor. She built other Columbus hospitals in Denver, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Seattle, New Orleans, and Chicago. She continued to visit the various convents and institutions she founded in Europe. She also sailed to Brazil and Argentina to expand the work of her community. Her 37 years of apostolic service saw her almost constantly on the move. She could be found deep in a Denver mine encouraging Italian miners or, on another occasion, at a scaffold holding hands and praying with Italian-American prisoners who were about to be hanged. When she died in 1917, she left behind 67 convents in Europe, the United States, and South America 
and 1,500 missionary sisters of the Sacred Heart. She had become a citizen of the United States in 1909 and was the first American citizen to be canonized a saint. At her canonization in 1946, Pius XII said this in his homily. Where did she acquire all that strength and the inexhaustible energy by which she was able to perform so many good works and to surmount so many difficulties? She accomplished all this through the faith that was also so vibrant in her heart, through the divine love that burned within her, and finally through the constant prayer by which she was so closely united to God. She never let anything turn her aside from striving to please God and to work for His glory for which nothing aided by grace seemed too difficult or beyond human strength. Liturgy of Hours, Volume 4, 2022 Mother Cabrini lived deeply the mission of the Church to bring Christ's compassion and care to all people she responded generously to the grace of the Sacrament of Confirmation that binds Christians to such a deeper identification with the Church and her mission. Welcome, Your Excellency. Thank you, Chris. It's good to be with you. The Sacrament of Confirmation. We hear it so often as the Sacrament of the Holy Spirit. You are the minister of many, many confirmations, many of those receiving it. Talk to us about this great sacrament. Yeah, it's the joy of every bishop, really. We, we do spend a, a great deal of time and energy. It's one of the ways that we have of visiting parishes throughout the, the diocese to celebrate the Sacrament of Confirmation normally with, with young people in the parish. So it's a, a sacrament that bishops are, are practically acquainted with in a very powerful way. It really connects you to that upper room experience, doesn't it? I mean, all of the symbols, all of the language, everything about it, that, that great Pentecost moment so long ago actually is brought to a very vivid apex with that sacrament. The same Holy Spirit that filled filled that upper room, filled the room with such power that flames broke out on the head of, of those who were receiving the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit is, is given to us in the Sacrament of Confirmation. I'd like to, to stress with those being confirmed today that the Holy Spirit hasn't gotten tired over 2,000 years, that we shouldn't expect any less from the Holy Spirit dwelling in us now than uh, was able to be experienced in those days. The earliest days of the church, there were different uh, gifts that were, were needed to get the church established on a firm foundation. But the same faith and the same witness is, is necessary today. The circumstances are different, but, but the Holy Spirit is, is given to us to make us strong in the faith ourselves and then make us powerful witnesses to our faith in Jesus Christ in the world. In the sacrament of baptism, we are brought into the life of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What is it about confirmation that would provide for us something even more than what we'll receive after that great sacrament. Sure, we have an experience of the Holy Spirit already, certainly, the, of, as you mentioned, of, of the Trinity. Every sacrament is an encounter with the risen Christ. 
So, but what distinguishes the sacrament of confirmation is a, a completion of baptismal grace and being armed with a, a special strength of, of the Holy Spirit, a, an additional character, sacramental character, that enables us not just to have the faith, but really to have it, to be confirmed in it ourselves, but then to, to be willing to, to witness it to others and to be, in a sense, public about our discipleship. It's a reminder to us, as it was to those disciples of Jesus gathered in the upper room, wondering what they were supposed to do next, that Jesus isn't looking for secret disciples. When he calls us to be his followers and, and his friends, you know, that means something not just for us, but it means something for the life of the world. The gift of the Holy Spirit at the time of confirmation and then the Spirit dwelling in us in a very powerful way all through our lives following confirmation makes that witness possible. There's two significant actions that occur within the sacrament of confirmation, and the first would be the anointing with the sacred chrism. That was something that, as you broke open for us last time, is done at baptism, but it's done once again in confirmation. And it's done in a different way, so it's clearly a particular sacrament. There's a prayer of invocation, so we call down the Holy Spirit upon those who are to be confirmed. And there's a laying on of hands, which is rooted in the apostolic experience. Again, the apostles laid hands on those who sought baptism so that they might also receive uh, the Holy Spirit and become witnesses themselves. So that, that prayer is spoken. And then there's an anointing on the forehead of the one to be confirmed. And as is always the case, there's some words that, that are particular to the celebration of, of the sacrament. Uh, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. As those words are spoken, the person is anointed on the forehead with the chrism. The bishop is the ordinary minister of the sacrament of confirmation. There are some exceptions to that with the bishop's permission, but normally this is a way that, as Catholics experience this part of their initiation, that they have a personal contact in celebration of the sacrament with the bishop. He's consecrated the chrism in any case, but this time, the, uh, even though we might not be present at the baptism, of all those new members of the diocese were often present most often present at confirmation. That being sealed by the Holy Spirit, what does that mean exactly? Being claimed by the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, there are a number of ways of, of expressing it. But we are, we're signed much in the same way as we are at, at baptism, signed with life of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The cross is once again traced on our forehead, reminiscent of the cross that's traced on the forehead just before someone is baptized, mm-hmm. this time now with, with the sacred chrism, to sort of cement the relationship of the one confirmed with the Holy Spirit so that he or she becomes now a temple of the Holy Spirit and someone who is able to and expected to proclaim Christ with their lives, with all of the power of the various gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. Yeah, what's happening in that temple when that great anointing comes about? Well, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us in a, in a new and, and more powerful way. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, we know, and the Holy Spirit gives life to the individual Christian and a sense of form to our life, helps direct our lives and provide us with the various gifts or charisms that we need to live our particular vocation. But the Holy Spirit also gives life and, and form to the, to the whole body of Christ. So we're incorporated more powerfully into the body of Christ. We're incorporated already from baptism. It takes on a new significance and a new power is given to us, a new authority, you might say, to live and, and to preach the gospel. And to do that in a way that becomes more mature all the time. 
you mentioned the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Do we undervalue those gifts? I mean, do we fully appreciate how tremendous those graces are? And how do we draw upon them if, if we want to have that deeper appreciation? Yeah, I think it's possible that we undervalue them. You know, every gift of the Holy Spirit is given not just for a private possession, not something like a trophy, but it's given for our own life of faith, but also for the life of the church, so that the life of the church may be enriched somehow. At the end of uh, confirmation ceremonies, I usually ask those who are newly confirmed, usually young people, I ask them that, that the next time they see me, that they come up and tell me that I confirm them and remind me where that was, just so they know they have permission to do that. And then when you do that, I'm going to ask you a question. And I'll tell you now what the question is. The question is, are you using the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And then I also tell them, I don't mind if you ask me the same question. It's a question that all of us in the church, in a sense, should be challenging each other about in a, in a good and, and positive way. Because we have received these special gifts at confirmation, those gifts remain alive and vibrant in us, and they're given for us to use, not use in a utilitarian way, but to offer for the life of the church and, and to call upon so that we can continue to develop in our own sense of what it means to be a, an active and a mature disciple of Jesus Christ. Those gifts, knowledge, fortitude, courage, I'm afraid that I'm, I may not even be able to rattle them all off, but yet they're still there. They're still there, and it, it's a good meditation to go through the list, not just so we can rattle them off, but to really reflect on what it is that the Holy Spirit is offering us. Again, not just sort of dead tools of some kind, but living gifts in us, manifestations really of, of the Holy Spirit's life within us, so that we can understand what it means from our baptism to really have put on Christ, that we can have the mind and heart of Christ, that we can think like Christ, that we can feel like Christ does, that we can act as, as he would in the various circumstances in, in which we find ourselves, that we can make the judgments that are necessary to be someone who is a, a credible witness to the living presence of Christ in the world. An excerpt from the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom. Understanding. Counsel, also known as right judgment. Fortitude, also known as courage. Knowledge. Piety, also known as reverence and fear of the Lord, also known as wonder and awe in God's presence. Fruits of the Holy Spirit Charity, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, and chastity. Those who will receive confirmation then, do they need to have a full appreciation of the gift they're about to receive? Or how is confirmation being understood today in the life of the church. It's normally given these days to someone in this country between the age of 7 and 16, so someone who's achieved the, the age of reason. So once we have a, a, a sense of responsibility about ourselves, even though that might be limited, 
then it's important that the person be catechized about the sacrament, that they be disposed so that they want to receive it, they understand what it is, that they be in the state of grace. So there, there are some requirements. But is it necessary that we be able to write a book on confirmation or that we could have a doctoral degree in mm-hmm. the studies of the Holy Spirit? Well, of course, that's not necessary. But good catechesis is important. We don't earn the gift of the Holy Spirit, so we, we don't have programs to prepare for confirmation that are set up in such a way as it looks like you, you, know, you achieve a certain number of credits, then you get the Holy Spirit. But it's really preparing of the soil so that when this gift falls on us, you know, it, it can take root, the Spirit can take root and, and really live in us fully and, and that, that we can participate in that life of the Holy Spirit. Like most of us, I suppose, were baptized as infants, so there was no catechesis for us at all. It all takes place after the fact. But we remain baptized, and so baptism wasn't a once-for-all experience. You know, I'm, I used to be baptized, you know, way back then, but I, I am baptized. That's a part of my identity, and so I can continue to reflect on baptism, can continue to learn more all the time about what it means to be a member of the church. Confirmation is the same way. We can continue to, to reflect on it afterward, and we hope if we're confirmed at the age of 14 or 15, can continue to understand more about the gifts that are ours from confirmation and understand more how to use those gifts as new challenges are thrown at us, as they certainly are as life goes on. A meditation found in the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults. There are those who have said that courage in witnessing our faith is one of the best proofs for the existence of God. Confirmation is the sacrament that makes possible courageous witness. The never-ending stories of martyrs and other Christian heroes and heroines throughout the centuries to the present provide ample evidence of the Holy Spirit's gift of courage. Today, there are plenty of opportunities to act courageously on behalf of the teachings of Christ and the Church, to promote the stability of marriage, to support the ideals of family life, to be brave in defending human life from conception to death, to be steadfast in seeking justice for the oppressed, and to be determined that the light of Christ's compassion and peace will shine everywhere on earth. It would be a shame to receive the gift of a car and not knowing how to drive. To be able to have this time of catechesis, not only before receiving this wonderful gift, but after, which once again, as we've talked about before, it's for all of us the continuing entering into that period of mystagogia to continue Mm -hmm. to be formed in that catechesis of our faith. And the Holy Spirit makes that ongoing formation in the faith possible and enkindles in us a desire for it if we don't crowd out that desire with other things. Mm -hmm. It's true, you know, we have sadly the experience in some of our parishes where young people are prepared for the sacrament of confirmation and celebrate the sacrament and then they sort of disappear for a while that, that they don't see the importance any longer of further catechesis or of involvement in youth programs in the parish or worship with the community on Sundays. That's really receiving this powerful gift and, and in a sense, sort of setting aside what's offered to us. The Holy Spirit doesn't give up on us, and so those gifts can be rekindled at at a later time. But there's no reason to have this hiatus. It's a challenge, though, for parents and for pastors and for catechists to continue to engage young people once they have been 
and confirmed, but they have the Holy Spirit living in them, and so there certainly is the potential there if we can help unlock it. Amen to unlocking it. <laughs> Any final thoughts, Your Excellency, on this particular chapter? I find that, as I think most bishops would say the same thing, I find it a real privilege to be able to celebrate the sacrament of confirmation, particularly with young people in the church. I think I try at those times to, to speak with them about our understanding of vocation in the church, that God has created us for a very holy purpose, that the Lord is calling us, and that as we grow into adulthood, it's possible, if we're prayerful, to understand the call of the Lord. And it's the dwelling of the Holy Spirit in us that give us that understanding and then give us the courage uh, to, to respond to the Lord. The church needs every baptized and confirmed person. There's nobody who really gets a pass. The life of the church and the life of the world is enriched by each person who is called by Christ. And I think all of us need to claim the power, the gifts that are ours as a result of both baptism and confirmation and be willing to respond when the Lord calls in small ways, day by day, but then in a way where he will ask us to dedicate our lives to something that's really holy and and generous. This is also a sacrament that can be renewed in our daily devotions, our daily prayers, by calling upon the Holy Spirit continually. He's always there wanting to assist us, isn't he? The Holy Spirit's closer to us after we're baptized and confirmed, closer to us in the air that we're breathing. Mm. I think whenever we find that we're tempted to do something that we're pretty sure is wrong, when we're confused about what the right thing is to do, when we're worried or afraid, if we ask the Holy Spirit to help us, that's a prayer that will be answered. If we ask the Holy Spirit to help us stay close to Jesus at that moment, why wouldn't the Holy Spirit make that possible for us if, if that's what we ask for? And that's the prayer calling on the help of the Holy Spirit can be offered at any place, at home, in the car, in school, certainly in church. But the Holy Spirit is, is dwelling in us, and so there's a Uh, an intimacy there that makes prayer possible and through the power of the Holy Spirit makes prayer effective, I think. A prayer found in the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, by the light of the Holy Spirit, you have taught the hearts of your faithful. In the same Spirit, help us to know what is truly right and always to rejoice in your consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Just as a brief footnote for anyone out there who was baptized into the Catholic Church but never received confirmation, It's never too late, is it? It's not too late. And the fact that confirmation is offered often to young people in the church doesn't mean it's a young people's sacrament only. So I would encourage anyone who who is baptized and who's aware of not having been confirmed to be in touch with your parish priest and see what is necessary to to be confirmed. It's uh, very possible and good for you to do that. And and there's somebody at your parish who will be very happy to help you. And we'll be very glad to have you as a confirmed member of the church. We can use all the the witnesses cooperating with the Holy Spirit that we can get. Amen. Thank you, Your Excellency. Thank you. You've been listening to the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas. 
To learn more about the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults, go to usccb.org, the website for the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join me next time for the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas.